Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. How are you doing this fine afternoon or evening or morning whenever you're listening to this? Hopefully it's morning because this episode, I am throwing fire, absolute fire. This is a white whale episode. I am so excited to tell you that John K. Sampson from The Weaker Dance is on this very episode. He's one of my favorite musicians probably of all time. The Weaker Dance are top 10 favorite band. I just can't tell you how much this pleases me that I got to speak to him because like, you know, I, you try not to like put these people on pedestals because they're just like, they're normal human beings, especially when you're talking about in the context of independent music. Right. But there are certain people where you're just like, wow, like they're a real human. Like, and that's what John K. Sampson just like showed me during this conversation, but more on him in a moment. Let me talk to you about the other things that I'm excited about. One is a new sponsor, which I am so excited about. You've heard me talk about them before, most specifically on last week's episode with Matt Pryor and Radar State, the label, Wiretap Records. I love them so much. Rob is a friend of mine and he does a great job. But what I want to tell you about is he does something super, super cool called the Wiretap Record Club. Now, let me play you just a little quick sizzle reel. You know, that's what we in the industry call like, you know, like get you excited. So I'm going to play that right now. These are basically all of his recent releases and you can kind of get a little sampling.
Okay, so that is what he is putting out. And his record club, basically, uh, let me let me let me break this down for you. It's 125 bucks. There is limited to 50 total, and you'll get every release they press on vinyl in 2019. So it's a minimum of 10 LPs, guaranteed test press from this year's catalog, an exclusive T-shirt, an enamel pin, all digital downloads, member discounts, and more. So you can go to wiretaprecords.com and check out what they have to offer. That's super cheap for 10 LPs and a T-shirt and a pin. Like basically, it is your vote for independent music to be like, you know what? I support what you do and I trust what the label has going on. He sent me a bunch of their releases and frankly, there's no dud in there. So wiretap records, check out their, uh, yeah, the record club. It's amazing, but there's a $15 discount to listeners of this show. Use the code 100 words upon checkout and you will get $15 off. Okay. So basically it's $110 for a boatload of music. Okay. Thank you very much, Wiretap, and uh, check out their stuff. I also have to tell you about Rockabilia.com. PC Jabberjaw is the code that will give you 10% off all the band merch that you can possibly buy from their website. I love what they do. They offer amazing, high-quality stuff that is all licensed officially from the band, so you're not going to be supporting bootleggers and or, or just get terrible shirts, you know, because like you've gotten those ones before where you're like, oh, wow, this is great. And it's like some iron on transfer and then like one wash. It's done. No, that does not happen. I've ordered multiple shirts from them and they are a spectacular company. So PC Jabberjaw will get you 10% off. Thank you, Rockabilia, for your continued support of this show. Before I talk about John K. Sampson, holy moly, I have been so stressed. <laughs> like I have never felt stress from my work really, frankly, ever. I've just been fortunate enough where, I mean, like you feel stressful moments and stressful times when you're like leading up to, you know, I was working at the record label. I remember an incredibly stressful time when, you know, like bands from Germany were coming over to tour and I was making sure that all the, you know, van rentals and details were all settled and stuff. And there were some stressful times there. And maybe I just, you know, you have a good, uh, we as humans have a, a good way of forgetting those stressful moments, but like I'm sitting in a stressful moment right now. And, uh, man, it sucks. It really does suck. Like, you know, heart palpitations, like I haven't gone to full blown panic attacks, which is good because I've had, you know, friends around me and other people to kind of balance me out. But, um, yeah, I just want you to know that if you're feeling that stress for whatever it is that you're going through, I'm there right there with you and just put your head down. You will be able to get through it. I, I assure you, you've been through more difficult things in the past. I know I have. It's like my wife survived cancer. And I was right there with her as she was getting chemotherapy and all these horrible, horrible things. And I was able to walk along with her on that. And that was brutal to watch. So what's some work stress, right? Okay. But I just want you to know that you are not alone. I'm, I'm feeling you. So hundred words podcast at gmail.com. If you want to reach out and, and you know, commiserate, be like, yeah, I'm going through a stressful time too. But, um, let's talk about John K. Sampson. Like I said, this, this guy looms so large in my life because I mean, I love propaganda love the weaker thans. And I just think what he has done, he has, he, he's been able to carve out his own life with being a creative person with creating incredible music, incredible lyrics. I just, I could go on for hours and hours, how much I respect the art that he puts out there and how much I love him. And I, I honestly, I chased this interview for about, I want to say going on two years. And I have to give a very, very large thank you to Chris Hanna from Propaganda, who is a previous guest on this show, who uh, connected me with with John. And uh, I just I'm I'm thankful for that. So here is my discussion with John K. Sampson. Holy crap! I can't believe I'm saying that. 
this moment to decide If we meant it, if we tried Or felt around for far too much From things that accidentally touched Propagandi was a huge band for me. I'm, I'm 38 years old, mm-hmm. so you know you guys put out those records oh. right in the prime time of me getting into you know a lot of punk and hardcore right, and stuff right. like that. Um, but then right. I I also loved uh, you know when you put out the Weaker Than's record on you know G7 and Fallow and started to play mm-hmm. shows around that. Like I saw you uh, play at Coos Cafe in Santa Ana here in gosh I don't know it was like 97 98 maybe something like that. Yeah, I remember that show. That was really fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. And it, it, but it it was funny because I that was kind of the first time I really recognized uh, the idea of someone expecting something out of an artist mm. and them not delivering yeah. the thing that they expected. You know, so it's like right. clearly people are like, oh yeah, John from Propagandi. So here's his uh, you know quiet yeah. side project or whatever. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely, yeah, for sure. So I, I presume that when you first started to kind of do that, and people were, you know, clearly attaching you to your previous work, um, was that right. kind, was that kind of a, a weird vibe where it was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm not going to play shredding punk anymore. Like this is what I got. Right, right. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, I think yeah, it was it was definitely a, a case of um, of kind of uh, not meeting a certain segment of the people who showed up's um, expectations. Uh, But there was also something beautiful about that that I enjoyed. Um, And this was before kind of music was uh, as as kind of saturated in the culture as it is now. So, um, So you would kind of come to see a band... As, as you'll recall, um, to hear the band, not to hear them play the songs that you already knew, right? So there was something kind of exciting about that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I can never, uh, I can never overstate how, how, uh, grateful I am, uh, to, to have been in propaganda and have had that kind of launching pad for, for um for the rest of my life as a as a as a writer yeah oh for sure i mean i think it's it's funny because you know most even at this time you know whatever we're you know 25 years removed from that but people will right. you know always link you to that even though you know you've clear you've clearly carved, oh, yeah. out, carved out your own niche but i think it's no absolutely and i think like the fact is that those records will have sold more than all of my other work combined in the end. <laughs> so and that's an interesting, an interesting kind of fact to me, and and something that I, I think about and respect, and is that you know some people will come expecting something else, and uh, and yeah, sometimes that was difficult. Like like there were certainly, there were certainly times when. Um, when it flared in kind of unpleasant ways, uh, where, you know, like, I don't know, like people would throw, throw things at me or, or kind of like, you know, there there were, there were some, there were some terrible moments, but, you know, for the most part, the punk scene was pretty open to what I was doing and, um, pretty generous with, 
with their kind of uh, with their um, acceptance and kind of engagement with with my work after after being in propaganda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I think too because it, it wasn't like you as a person all of a sudden started to like, you know, wear cowboy boots and like put on a costume and like not talk about politics. Like you just were you except in a different vehicle, you know? (laughs) Well, and for me it was always like, there's a pretty obvious through line in the, in the few songs that I, I sang, uh, lead with, uh, with propaganda. Those, those songs are kind of still the, the kind of model. I mean, they, those, the first week of ends record was, not not very far from from uh from my previous work right so um yeah i i didn't i didn't see it as as uh, such a such a leap really right but you never do right from the center <laughs> from <laughs> from the from the center of it you can't really see the the margins i guess yeah yeah for sure in just having this little discussion it just reminded me too i i remember seeing kind of you know on the flip side where you uh you know i saw you play at the troubadour and i think if i'm not mistaken you uh dashboard confessional was opening up for you and this is like right right. and i I just remember that was yeah that's right right i forgot about that trip yeah yeah and it was it was so so interesting because you had these two completely separate crowds you had your you know people who were completely tapped into the mainstream coming to watch Chris Carrappa play and then people, yeah. you know, sort of curiously sticking around where it's like, Hey, who's this dude headlining? And then kind of being like, Oh, yeah. interesting. I just, yeah, I remember that experience too. <laughs> that was really, yeah, that was, that was strange. And that was not, uh, not the, that was fun, kind of fun too. Like it was like trying to hold the attention of those people who were just there to see Chris was, was, a uh, was an interesting challenge for sure. Um, I, I ended up in that position a few times. Arcade Fire opened for the Weaker Thans once. Um, just at the show was booked before their first record kind of became massive, and then we had already booked the show. I think it was it was in the Pacific Northwest somewhere, and and so that was like I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> the, the you know Arcade Fire is opening for us for some reason, so. And, and and there was no way to hold that. I mean, it, yeah, it was interesting. Anyway, it's, like, <laughs> right. it's always like the industry. Yeah, the way the industry moves is is so. Um, uh, it's yeah, you can't really you can't really um, plan it. No, no, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like the, yeah, the, yeah. Be, the best laid, best laid plans. All of a sudden, are just like oh oh wow, sure, sure. I gotta I gotta follow this now. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like that feeling too. Like I also like, uh, you know, the the whole. Um, I always loved playing uh, during propaganda days uh, at Gilman Street in uh, in the East Bay there, um, because they they had uh, they had this uh, payment system where it was weighted towards whoever drove the farthest, right? So it was like if you were from if you were like the biggest band on the bill, but you were from, you know, like Portland and another band was from, um, New York, you know, that played first, the New York band would get more money. And I always thought that, that if, if I had my way, that's, that's how the world would work. It was kind of beautiful. Yeah, exactly. It's very, uh, egalitarian where it's like, yeah, you just drove yeah. the farthest. So yeah, yeah. practically speaking, yeah. <laughs> practically speaking. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of, kind of shifting the focus towards uh, you as a person, um, there, you know, you are, you know, a private person in the sense of, you know, you're not, uh, you know, publishing stuff on social media and talking about your narrative and doing all the things that people do on social media. But, um, were you actually Mm -hmm. born and raised in Winnipeg? I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Tried and true. So I've, I've been here all my 45 years and yeah. And what was your, uh, what was your family structure like as you were growing up? Like mom and dad in the house? Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. Uh, uh, my parents were in the house and my sister. And, um, yeah, I grew up, uh, I grew up in a, in a, in an excellent home. And I, um, yeah, I was in, uh, I was in children's choirs, which was sort of my first, um, my first exposure to music, I guess. And I was, uh, raised in the, in a kind of high Lutheran church mm-hmm. um, that had a sung liturgy, so it was kind of this this kind of form of talk singing uh, that I, I, I feel like was pretty. Uh, I can kind of trace back to my my uh, my talk singing now. <laughs> is, is that kind right. of, that kind of early um, exposure to music? So yeah, and and so and then yeah, children's choirs was my kind of. Um, uh, kind of first exposure to music and um, and uh, yeah got it and so what, what was your um, yeah I guess what was the uh, the trade that your family was in like you know what did your mom and dad do for work as you were growing up in the house uh, my dad's a lawyer and my mom's a teacher oh okay very tried and true um, you know <laughs> very quintessential yeah. jobs yes yes that's true that's what did true. you what did your mom teach uh, she taught uh, elementary school. Oh, nice. Did you have her as a teacher? I did not, no. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because I, <laughs> I, I definitely think I, I come from a, a family of teachers as well, and I think it's there's, oh, there's always that notion of like, no, I would never want my mom as a teacher. Like I, you know, but then some other, right, right. some other kids are like, Oh, that'd be cool. If like my mom or dad was like, you know, working at the school or whatever. And then it's like, I don't know yeah, about yeah. that. Did you ever uh, encounter that? Did I, you have? Your- I did. I did not have my my mom. She actually sent. You know, she taught at public school, and she sent me to private school because she was like, "Oh, uh, interesting." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted small class sizes for you, and so I was like, "Okay, fair oh, enough. that's lovely." Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Sure. Uh, and then yeah. what? What? And your your what sort of uh, I guess law did your dad practice? Um, you know, I'm not sure. Okay, fair uh, enough. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Actually, he was. I think in contract, uh, contract law, I believe. Sure, yeah. sure. So, like, did he yeah. did he have his own practice, or was he like working within the context of a company that he was their uh, their go to? Yeah, he was a he, he was a partner in a in a law firm here in Winnipeg. Nice, nice. And are yeah. are are you, are you the uh, older sibling or the younger sibling? I am the older. Yes. So you're the trail. Yeah. You're the trailblazer. Um, and I mean, I think most people that kind of think of Winnipeg, um, you know, view it as this, uh, you know, uh, weather stripped city that, you know, obviously, obviously has some culture, but you know, in many, many respects, it's been a town that uh, often gets uh, overlooked when you're talking about Canada because most people like in America reference just the coast. Um, but you know, what was your experience as you were, you know, growing up in Winnipeg? Did, was it just like, okay, I got to play hockey and that's pretty much it? Or what did you right, feel? Right. I was a curling kid myself. So okay. I, I curled from an early age and I still curl. Um, 
so that's that's kind of the other I think kind of more has the more uh, has more purchase as in my mind as like the national sport in that oh, everyone can play it in a way like it's it's sort of I like the kind of democratic aspects of it I was certainly a hockey kid as well growing up but I never really played um, and I was yeah obsessed by the NHL um, but but kind of uh, that kind of um, dissipated sort of in my in my teens for sure and uh, yeah Winnipeg is like it's a it's it's a it's a geographically quite marginalized place like it's it's quite far from any other city so I think over the years it's had to kind of invent its own culture in a way and the weather has a lot to do with that culture as well so I feel like um, people here sort of have to we have to entertain each other and ourselves and and so I feel like there's a real kind of tradition of of bands especially um, basically as something to do when you uh, can't spend a lot of time outside <laughs> yeah I, and honestly I don't know I don't know why I always kind of drew the parallels between um, you know Winnipeg and something like you know Iceland I mean obviously Iceland is even sure. more you know removed geographically but it, it definitely resides in that same sort of, uh, you know, uh, pride. Pri- yeah, yeah, pride about my, the city and yeah, yeah. Because my father's family is Icelandic, and 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 uh, and Winnipeg and Manitoba is the biggest population of Icelanders outside of Iceland. Weirdly enough, they started immigrating in, uh, you know, late eighteen hundreds, and my grandfather was. Um, was printed the local one of one of the two local uh, Icelandic newspapers here weirdly enough but I found yeah I find that there's a really interesting yeah you're right I think the Icelandic culture is similar in that sense that it's it's uh, it had to invent itself in a way and and I still feel like yeah Winnipeg is is like that in a lot of ways just because um even you know, with the internet and with with the the more kind of uh, with the spread of culture being kind of more democratic and available, you know, the physical isolation is still there. Like it still exists, right? It's it's right. just a fact. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so so it's a it was an interesting place to to kind of it is an interesting place I think to come from, and it's a place that you know I think I discovered fairly early on was what I wanted to write about and what I wanted to try and understand is is this place because it has it sort of has everything that I'm looking for as a writer. Um, uh, it you know. It bothers me. Uh, it delights me. It's you know. It's got. Um, it's it's got kind of a. Um, it's a it's a small town. You know. It's a it's a it's also a city. It's it's um, it's unjust and and uh, and strange. Yeah. And so yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's something I'm still trying to get right, and and something that I'm I'm grateful for. 
Yeah. Well, and I think I, I, I always personally, and I know a lot of other people identified with that notion as well, just because, mm. you know, most people like, you know, whatever, I'm, my experience of living in Southern California and living, you know, in Orange County, which is, you know, white suburban, very, you know, well off <laughs> hearing other people's experiences, you know, broadened my horizon in general. And then understood that it's like, mm. oh, like, you know, not only, you know, is a band like, you know, Propagandi and Weaker Than speaking about, you know, Winnipeg and politics and everything else. It's just like, oh, this is something I didn't even consider. And, it, you know, I need a person to deliver it to me in song in order to, like, put it in context where it's like, oh, yes, this is something I should care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's kind of what my favorite, um, you know, music does, I guess, and, and art in general. Yeah, for sure, and it's it's certainly what when I first heard 
propaganda, I was like, I had that reaction where I was like, kind of, uh, kind of broke my mind a little bit, recognizing that someone was writing about the place that I'm from. Right. And yeah, that was, that was, uh, that's kind of, uh, yeah. I what you're like chasing. That's important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, y- y- the, the idea, I mean, this is me uh, sort of projecting upon you just in the times that I've watched mm-hmm. you play and, you know, what I kind of know about you as a quote-unquote public figure, but um, mm-hmm. you are, you know, you're, you're a pretty reserved dude. You're definitely not the sort of guy that, you know, I would probably define as, uh, you know, the life of the party, kicking the doors open and being no. like, everybody pay attention to me. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Was that, was that kind of always who you were as far as like, you know, the quiet natured and, uh, you know, a more, uh, I guess, introspective, thoughtful person? Um, or was that something yeah. that you kind of, um, I don't know, not, not tried on, but was that something that has sure. always been kind of consistent? Yeah. I mean, uh, Definitely, that's just part of who I am. I'm I'm pretty private, and and uh, and I certainly wouldn't. I know that I wouldn't be a songwriter if I was starting today, just because the the um, kind of dire publicness of it for me would just be there would be no way I would I would I would I would run from that. Um, I would run. I would run from the contemporary. Um, music industry, even in its, I think in its wonderful independent forms, it just wouldn't be for me. Um, yeah, and I mean, part of it is also, uh, you know, mental illness, which is, is something that I've, I've, uh, I struggle with, uh, like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. So um, it's certainly not good good for that for me um the the publicness of of um that kind of lens is uh is i've discovered though i kind of always knew is is not not conducive to me being healthy so that's you know that's something that i struggle with and i think a lot of a lot of musicians and artists struggle with now um so yeah it's it's a it's a curious um place for me to be in a way, and and the punk scene um, was great for me because it 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 accepted that in a way. It was really um, uh, at the time. I'm, I don't know what it's like now, but it was it was very um, it was very democratic and and it was uh, welcoming to me at least. So yeah, it was kind of. I feel like there's still. Um, you know my the track of my of my career kind of veered off from that ethos in some ways um and and that was probably probably a mistake in some ways that i'm trying to trying to circle back to the um the uh that generous democratic spirit mm-hmm. in music um, so lately I've been doing house concert tours right? and, and I love how much they remind me of basement shows that, that, um, that I, that I would be a part of in the nineties. Um, and just that, that kind of element of it. So 
I'm a lot more comfortable in those settings. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I never really became entirely comfortable with, <laughs> with performance um, in a lot of ways. Uh, so I guess, you know, yeah, hard to say. Yeah. Well, no, no. In the beginning, I felt like in the beginning, I felt like I loved the travel and didn't like the shows. Shows kind of terrified me in that, but the travel was great, and I would go for walks in every city that Propagandi went to. I would go on these massive walks, and and I would love that. And now I'm sort of at the point where I actually love the shows, and I don't really like the travel. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of weird. Weird, um, it's a weird flip. Weird kind of flip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I really like those those thoughts that you're, um, you know, being able to uh, articulate because I do think the, uh, yeah. you know, as people, just because you know, uh, essentially, punk and hardcore has existed for for so long now to where you know it impact it's impacted people that are you know three years younger than us and you know whatever, arguably yeah. ten to twenty years older than us. So mm-hmm. now you have people that are doing things that are um, not really technically related to that DIY right. culture, yeah, yeah. but are still, yeah. like, like you said, you know, no one, I, I don't, you know, I would challenge anybody to obviously look at the, you know, what you have done musically, career-wise and everything and not be able to find the obvious through line of like, well, yeah, essentially mm. you're still just, you know, the DIY, like, you know, yeah. punk and hardcore kid, even though, right. you know, you wouldn't self-describe as that, but right. the notion is, yeah, still, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, that's and that's still what I think of myself as. I know that it's it's pretty hard to see from as an uh, from an outsider. I'm I'm sure, and especially someone who didn't have the context of 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 um, being part of a punk scene. But but yeah, I do feel like its template is still uh, kind of on everything on everything that I do. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. It's great. Um, and as you, um, I, I guess, what was the kind of, um, you know, because clearly it's not like the idea of, uh, you know, you joining Propagandi and you guys, you know, playing out and touring and stuff like that. Like, you know, that wasn't the, the quote unquote business plan as it were. <laughs> so like, you know, what, what was the, I guess the supposed path for you as you were going through school? Like, you know, did you like school? Like, what were you, you know, were, were you, I guess, kind of growing up to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer like my dad or whatever. What was the path? No, I hated school, and and I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> I love that. I uh, <laughs> I feel like it's it's not a it's 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 not good. <laughs> so um, I hated school. Uh, it, it it was I found I found it profoundly unpleasant, and uh, and there was almost nothing good about it for me at least. Um, but I was more. Um, I read books, which 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 um, I feel like kind of was my one one saving, uh, not one saving thing, but but it was it was kind of my my uh, my comfort was was books more than music actually. So so um, I did buy a base. I I, I worked like a part time job or during the summer. When I was fifteen, I think uh, painting boards, and I uh, bought a bass. Um, I played guitar sort of really badly before that, and I recognized that I um, 
that no band was going to have me really as a guitar player. So I thought a bass would would be um, would be uh, I would be able to play music with other people, and I was. So I I was in a band in in high school, and um, and so so that was uh, uh, it it was it was. Um, it wasn't particularly punk, I don't think. We were sort of more indie rock kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we were into the replacements and and um, and the Pixies and and stuff like that. But I was obsessed with this writer named Kurt Vonnegut, um, and and he's this really wonderful novelist and writer, and and he's really political. Like he's a he's kind of a a wonderful leftist humanist writer um and so i felt like when i heard propaganda for the first time i was i i heard those politics and to me i think before that music had been strictly sort of an emotional outlet and then when i heard chris and jord i was like this is this is, uh, you know, twinning those two things together right. uh, in in a profound way, in a way that I was just like, I was like, I, this is amazing. So, um, so, and then I just was in the right place at the right time. I saw a poster they put at the local skateboard shop, um, and I had, I think I'd met them before, um, and. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think about it now, and they were sort of the first punk band I heard. So it's kind of weird that that was sort of my right. Your intro and your in like your first intro real band, yeah, <laughs> happens to be this really incredible band. I thought, and and so, yeah, it was it was. Uh, uh, I don't think anyone else tried out. I was like, you know, I was like, and I, I'm not. Uh, I was not then, and am not now a good bass player i cannot be called a good bass player <laughs> right um you're, profi- I, you're proficient <laughs> i'm proficient enough i you know i i'm i'm learning i'm uh my wife christine fellows is putting out a record this month and i'll be touring in her band and playing bass and i picked it up the other day and i was like oh wow i really i had no idea what i was doing because <laughs> i was like <laughs> you know um but i uh, but there was the part of the generosity and openness of of the music itself was that that was kind of cool like i i could i could fit into it i could play the root notes and and jump up and down and kind of get by in a way so yeah so that's really uh you know and and i guess i was also really uh impressed by uh how melodic Chris and George were like there are, you know, the way they sang together on those early tape cassette tapes that I heard, I was like, wow, singing, like they're singing together in harmony. And, uh, and that really kind of appealed to me in a big way. I was like, that's really exciting. And, uh, so yeah, I was, uh, I, it was a total, total fluke. So yeah. And I think that's kind of how, when I heard them, I was like, I want to write songs, too. Uh, I had written songs before, but I'd never really... 
uh, kind of aspired to too much for that. So, so yeah, they're they're still kind of like the biggest, probably. Yeah, they are the biggest influence on my writing. Christine, my wife, and and those guys. Yeah, no, for that's, sure. That's, you know, that's incredible. Well, yeah, because yeah. that that opportunity gave you the voice to be able to be like, oh yeah, like they they can do it. Like I can do some something yeah. similar and in, yeah, yeah. in the same way that you know you're always going to view yourself as a punk and hardcore kid and it's like it's not like you had to ask permission to write these songs you just started to do it yeah. because you saw your friends doing it it's like oh yeah i'll try this yeah out. exactly <laughs> yeah yeah um so then you know as, as things started to um you know get more serious with uh, you know propaganda and like you know touring and you know the fact that it's like oh like we're you know we get paid money and you, you could even you know argue well not argue you can even point out the fact like clearly you know the weaker dance existed in the music industry as well by putting out records and touring and all that other stuff you know how yeah. the, the business of the bands that you've been in uh, has that been something that you've had to um i know you kind of alluded to it earlier where you're like you're always continually grappling with that but like did you enjoy the business aspect or was that just something you're like god i wish i could ignore it completely and just play music yeah 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 i can't say i enjoy it that much i mean i'm interested in it in a kind of theoretical way i'm interested in in bands and and musicians who try and do things slightly even slightly differently is exciting to me you know like um so yeah and i like the ethos of of uh of kind of democracy which has been in all the bands that i've i've been lucky enough to be in you know um so i liked yeah i remember the early propaganda days were, were when um there was this zine called book your own fucking life oh yeah that that had uh you're probably familiar with you know it had like uh, people's addresses and phone numbers for shows all over North America. And, um, yeah, those tours were, were kind of incredible and, and frightening and, and weird and fun. Um, and then, yeah, when it got kind of more established, uh, yeah, it was, it was fine. Um, yeah. 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 I it's it's not it's not really something that yeah, I I kind of uh about a year or two into the weaker lands I I kind of let go of all of that and Steven our guitar player took over and did most of that. Um and in a lot of ways I felt like a failure because I just couldn't I couldn't keep my mind on it. It just wasn't something that I was that interested in and it didn't it didn't move me at all the the industry side of it so yeah. um yeah. so i thought sort of wandered off um but i mean we did set kind of like i think progressive work practices where we could you know like we try and pay everyone exactly the same um and and you know it's so there's some kind of um you know I, we were like i i think of us as like uh, you know, socialists in, and, and we wanted to kind of be, be that in practice. So, and that's always been something that, that I've recognized as great. And, and yeah, and the labels I've worked with have all been based on relationship, not really based on career. Right. You know, 
Yeah. So like, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty huge fluke that I'm on Epitaph Records, and I'm really grateful to be. You know, like it's a total like I don't know how I, how that came about, but I'm really glad that it did. And right. I just really like them all. They're really like they would they work really hard on my behalf, and and I'm and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I, I think it's... No, I, I, you know, I certainly... I don't think I... Like, I've been in the kind of unique position of I've never really looked for a label. It's sort of... It's just been there. Just right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I think to your point, I think that's, you know, how, you know, good partnerships exist creatively, where it's like, you know, mm. if a person is interested in the business aspect of the band while also obviously wanting to be creative musically. It's like that they all serve the same purpose and like, they'll be able to, you know, like it'd be a different story if they're, you know, you played with a person who is like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to, you know, get signed to Capitol records. And like, let's put out, you know, let's be as big as the Foo Fighters or something. Then that would be in stark contrast to what your goal is. But you know, if it's simple and you're on the same page, you're just like, Oh yeah, you handle that. I don't want to do, I don't want to touch that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I like that that's kind of more and more, well, and and the democratization of the means of production that the internet has afforded us all is like, there's some pretty cool things about that. Like, there's like, you know, people can put out their own records and, you know, like, um, and that's wonderful, and make their own records. Like, when, when I started, it was still like raising money to go into a recording studio, like, that's you know, and it was a lot of money. So, you know, like that's, that's kind of a, yeah, we're in a new world. Like, you know, like probably my favorite record of the last while is, is Frank Ocean's Blonde. And it's an independent record. Like, it's kind of amazing when you think about it. Like it's, you know, like he put that record out himself. There's no, you know, I don't know. There's something like when I, when I think about that, I'm like, wow, that's, yeah, you're like this. Incredible. Right. This yeah, this this can happen on a on a whole much larger on level. A massive yeah. Scale. Yeah, yeah. 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 For, no, totally, it's totally. Beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, something that I have noticed throughout, you know, people asking you questions over the past, you know, 15 years is, you know, mm-hmm. everyone always comes to that fork in the road where they're just like, I can't even I, it's must have been so weird that you left Propagandi. Like you left this successful <laughs> band, you know, I'm putting on a, a cheesy reporter voice mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um you know, like the the way that I like, you know, viewed it, and I think most people probably mm-hmm. viewed it, where it's just like, you know, whatever. You're in your early twenties, and you're just like, oh yeah, yeah like I want to explore this thing, and like it's not like some, you know, really like calculated decision to be like. It was a decision based on the fact that you were like, yeah, I want to leave the band because I want to do this other stuff, as opposed to like mm-hmm. this huge thing that you know, that, like that. I don't know. That it just seems very yeah. funny that people project that on you. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, I, um, I mean, they got tons better after I left, right? Like they're, I think, you know, with Todd and uh, and the extra guitar players um, who are both incredible, and and yeah, no, I, I, I think it was, it ended up being best for them and and best for me. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't even think of it that much. Yeah, really, I can't. It, yeah. I can't really remember. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Like it's sort of dim. Like I, I'm not. Um, yeah, sometimes you just have to recognize that 
things worked out, you know, like it, and not worry too much about why they worked out. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. I, I just, yeah. it, it's just, so, it's just so funny because it, it seems like it's such a uh, decision that it's like most people are confronted with that where it's just like, you know, even if it's right. like, Hey, do you want to still play in a band or like, do you want to like, you know, get a degree? And some people are just like, Oh yeah, I yeah, guess, I, yeah. I guess I got to get a degree. It's the same thing where it's just like, do you want to play in this or sure. do you, like, you want to do this? You're like, well, I, I kind of want to do this. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, those like those kind of massive decisions in your life that seem massive at the time are, you know, often when you look back, they're just sort of they're not even choices. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're just there. It's just going to happen. Things that happened, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The, um, you know, and then, you know, kind of focusing on your, on your time in, uh, you know, the weaker dance where, um, you know, cause like you said, sort of, you know, uh, skewing much of the uh, conventions of the fact that you are successful and people recognize the band and you can play shows and all that sort of stuff that, you know, you probably at the beginning are just like, wow, I can't even believe this is happening. Um, but you know, you've the, the band arguably reached uh, you know some pretty 
uh, high highs as far as like you know shows you were playing and you know the the interest that the band uh garnished um i guess kind of you know and this this is kind of putting you on the spot but i think you probably have you know some some tangible moments of like as you were starting to you know kind of get out there and put out records and do all that stuff you know when did i guess things feel like oh my gosh like i i this is weird i can't believe i'm here doing this whether it's like a you know it doesn't have to be a specific Mm. show or anything like that but just that feeling of like wow when we put out left and leaving i can't believe this happened or whatever you know Hmm. i don't know if i ever felt that way yeah i think it was it was sort of a gradual a gradual thing and um yeah, my my anxiety with with crowds and a lot of things was such where I, I don't feel like I ever really uh, enjoyed that that much. <laughs> you know, sure. I didn't I didn't get a lot of joy out of it in a weird way. Like it's it sounds like harsh to say, but it didn't. I never had those those moments where you're like, oh, this I'm doing what I want to do in the world. I still don't. I'm still not sure what I want to do in the world. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, um, I was, I, I'm obviously super lucky. Um, but, yeah, there, there was, um, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't really pinpoint a moment. I know, I know when I felt bad. Yeah, I guess we. Yeah, when, uh, on the flip side, yeah, yeah. Like, when did it feel, I guess, sure. too overwhelming for you? Yeah, and maybe that's lame of me to kind of like, no, it's okay. That's the point truth, out though. The negative, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of the truth. Yeah, was was when it sort of. I feel like there's a certain point with me that if if the audience is too big, like the the fuses blow in a way. Like so, it's like I just I just shut down, and it's like it's not something. It's a job. It's something that that I I don't enjoy anymore. So it's there's this weird point where I'm like, oh. This is, um, having said that, like, when I'm actually doing it, when I'm actually playing the songs in front of people, I did love it. But it was, like, every other moment around that, you know? Like, right. like every second around that, like, that, that, um, that sometimes felt kind of terrible. So, um, so, yeah, I learned to love playing, but I also had a lot of trouble with with um with with other stuff so yeah. so that it was it was is you know difficult and and kind of untenable after a while so right yeah well i i think to that same notion or that that idea that like even you know when you are experiencing these things that you know most people look at as being like wow it's amazing you can play in front of you know 1500 people and like have everybody mm. you know like you know eating from the palm of your hand because of the way you're crafted <laughs> your lyrics or whatever you know um yeah, yeah. like that like you know to your point that <laughs> clouds the vision because it's like you're just focused on that you know whatever 45 minutes to an hour and a half stage time and then like yeah. the moment that you leave it it's like oh here's where all the here's where all the stuff i don't like comes into play exactly yeah yeah for sure and and yeah like i yeah i feel like i i love focusing on i love the feeling of a room where it's like 200 people and um and there's kind of uh an interaction even if it's not kind of verbal you can kind of it feels like a collaboration in a way, like it's the audience and the 
musicians are doing something together to make something ephemeral that is just for that moment. And that to me is really beautiful. Um, and I just can't, I can't summon it or it doesn't work for me a lot of the time when it's, when it's anything larger than that. Does mm-hmm. that sound, I don't know. Yeah. No, so yeah, it, it, it makes kinda, sense. And it's really, it's just specific to it's right. just me. Like yeah. it's not, I'm, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong or it's just, you know, I've learned through my cognitive behavioral therapy that, uh, that, <laughs> you can't, uh, you you know, you can't, you can't pretend to feel something you don't feel. No, uh, and vice you, versa. Right, so, right. And like, yeah. there's only so long that you can stuff that feeling away before it yeah. starts yeah, to yeah. manifest itself in different ways. And all of a sudden, you know, the the sort of you yeah. know quiet, easygoing guy John is like snapping at people, and they're like, "What the hell is happening?" It's like, "What? What? what? This is a weird vibe." He's never done this before. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> um. And so, you know, something else that, you know, I saw sort of traditionally speaking in regards to Mm. the way that people have approached, you know, speaking to you and interview wise and stuff is that, you know, I mean, most people are always like, oh, John John Sampson, like, you know, just doesn't like to do press. So like, you know, again, I'm using a hyperbolic voice here, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like, yeah, doesn't like to do press. So like, you know, it goes through these things where it's just like, oh, yeah, you can interview me by postcard or like, you know, you can, um, you know, you can't reach out to me on social media. So like, you know, you can't email me or whatever um but the you know i I, i've always viewed it where it's like there are there are certain people that are willing to put themselves out there and doing that on a regular basis and there are people who are like well i'm willing to do that for people who actually have a vested interest in the thing rather than like here's you know my name on the list of 30 things they got to do today um yeah it, 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 is that kind of accurate? The that that sort of description, rather than like, oh, John's just a you know an asshole. He doesn't want to do press or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of it is I'm an asshole. But okay, fair it, enough. Fair kinda, enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think probably a little bit. But you know, uh, yeah. I um, it sounds dumb, but like sometimes I'm just like you know like. I think Neil Young said it, or someone like that. Like when people were interviewing about about his songs, he was like, "Well, the songs are the songs." Like it's right there. Like that's what I that's what I want to put out into the world. There they are. Like you know, that's 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 my job. Uh, and I feel like that as a cultural worker. Like I make I make songs, and if you know that. It's not my job to talk about those songs. I don't feel like I feel like you know the songs are supposed to supposed to do something in the world. Um, but I also I can also totally understand why that's that's not uh, exactly right. And I'll, and again, it's totally specific to me. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like I should say you know everyone should be um, you know leave social media and, <laughs> and, and never do interviews and, and all that stuff. But, um, um, I do also feel like I've taken up sort of, I've, you know, I've taken up some space in, in the culture. It's a, it's, you know, not a huge space, but, um, but there's, there's other people to speak to that I think, uh, are more interesting and more timely, frankly. So, so that's that's also something that I've thought about. I remember in the 
early days of the Weaker Lens, we always said that when we quit, we would invite other bands to quit with us. <laughs> to break up with us. So we would do like a mass breakup. Sure. So it would be, <laughs> I love that. So it would be like, you know, like a hundred bands break up on one day and, uh, and, and, you know, loosen up the soil for, for some new bands, you know? Like, I feel like, um, yeah, there's a lot of great, uh, great work out there. So I'm, I'm also like, hey, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's something that I, I've, you know, reflected on myself, uh, like not only, you know, interviewing people, but to being the subject of interviews and like just kind of seeing how that, mm-hmm. that sort of like give and take relationship happens where it's like, I think like, um, I remember I approached uh, Sam McPheeters, the singer of Born Against. Oh yeah. 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 Who's sure. like, you know, is a notorious curmudgeon. Like that dude is, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. tried and true. And so I was like, okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm going to try to approach him. So like, you know, you had to write a, letter to his P.O. box here in Southern California and like you know I was like okay he's never going to respond to me but like you know he emailed me back and was like yeah I'd, l- I'd love to talk and I oh, think no. and I think it's one of those things where uh, not not too dissimilar to you know how we're speaking where it's just like when you actually show sure. the person that you actually have a vested interest in their art and are interested in them as a human most people will be like yeah. oh yeah like that's fine so like I get right I get that. Where it's more like a, it's a conversation, it's not a transaction, right? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's my, my problem with social media is that it feels so transactional to me, so capitalist in its nature, this idea of quantifying everything with, with you know, numbers, basically, of, of, of grading things. So it, to me, I'm like, yeah, like, you can't, conversation, like real conversation and communication doesn't, that's... That's not how it works, right? So I, I agree. Like, I'm totally interested. I love talking to people. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't always think that it's useful for me to do it when I'm, I have to talk about myself all the time or, or like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, no, I, I understand that because it's, especially too, it's like once you, you know, once you've existed for, you know, whatever, let's say over 10 years in a particular music scene, um, there's, you've discussed a lot of stuff already. You know, most people know the broad strokes of, of who people are. Like, you know, if someone's coming into you and it's like, Oh, so where are you from? It's like, dude, are you kidding me? Like you, <laughs> you, you, you don't know that I'm from Winnipeg. Like this is ridiculous. Um, but like, but that, that, that idea of just like, yeah, you, you want to be, like you said, it's not just this transactional thing. It's like this thing will hopefully create value and, you know, maybe be inspirational to a person being like, oh, like now I know that artist a little bit more. And in turn, mm-hmm. it will challenge me to, you know, make my own art or like be more committed right. to the band or whatever, you know, whatever the function is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Imparting, imparting the fact that, that, that ethos that I think, I, I kind of emerged as a writer with is that if you if you want to write you can you know and and you should yeah absolutely yeah, and kind of and having yeah so that's kind of Right. That's what, yeah, you, you, you want to put out there where it's just like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm some dumb dumb from the middle of Canada writing some stuff. It's like, you could do that too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, you know, I, I think 
the you know th- this is something I've noticed in myself. Like I'm 38 years old, and uh, the the older I get, I think, and I've noticed this across you know other peers and friends, and uh, people get really attached to the idea of of communities. I mean, communities are an important part of any culture, but like I think people that get exposed yeah. to subcultures that becomes even more important as you get older, just because you know you have to be more deliberate with your time due to you know familial obligations, yeah. professional work, whatever. Um, but sure. but it seems like you, I mean, you've expressed that pretty continually for, you know, a while. I mean, 10 plus years, you've always been really uh, focused on that sort of communal aspect, not only in your shows, but, you know, the, the activities that you do, you know, from the, you know, the writing that you do to, you know, working, uh, you know, with the, uh, the local library and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. with, like, again, this is, maybe this is kind of a simple question, but like, you know, when did that kind of interest start or was that something that you had always kind of like, as you started to, you know, go to punk and hardcore shows where you realized that was a community, has that always kind of been part of your purview? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I do think that it's increased in its importance in my life as I've gotten older, for sure. And, and I have, I have, community here that I'm I'm enormously grateful for and it's not really music community though I'm in a couple choirs so those that's it's a different kind of community uh, than than punk scene you know um, but but yeah that's a good question I'm not sure I think I was always looking for it and I didn't always find it um, and and I think the trap of being from a small town or being from this small town is that you that that kind of feeling that life is elsewhere that that everything is happening somewhere else right and that's that's I think a huge um, kind of problem that people now wrestle with as 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 uh, as avatars on the internet is this fear of missing out right this kind of like Life is always somewhere else. So I guess, I've yeah, I've discovered it in my own community, in my own city. And that's that's been really helpful for me. And, it, and it's always, um, it's always, uh, it's, it's there, right? It's, it's there. Right. And, and it's available. And, and a lot of it has to do with sitting in circles with people. Like I'm, I'm, I help run a book club at at the prison here in Winnipeg, and you sit in a circle. And I'm a member of the Quaker community here in Winnipeg, and you sit in a circle. And and you know I've been in group therapy, and you sit in a circle. I'm I'm interested in that. That's kind of and you know choir. You sit with people. You sit with people who you don't uh, you wouldn't otherwise sit with, right? And and that's. Uh, that's the kind of community that I'm, I'm most interested in now. No, I really think that's uh, you distilled that very appropriately because I think that the, especially with the notion that you always feel like things are happening outside of what you what is immediately visible to you. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that that you know, city over or like that. Oh, because I'm not on tour, I'm not feeling like yeah. I'm doing anything or whatever. But like, there's right. you, like you said, there's so much that is easily touchable you know within a five minute yeah. radius of your house and you just need to put yourself there in order to feel it and that's also what was i think one of the 
dangers for me of being a touring musician was this, like, this fantasy world. I mean, it wasn't great or anything, but, like, this, this un, the unrealness of the world where, where you, you know this, you go on tour and then you come home and you're like, like, well, you know, I have to do things for myself. You know, I have to, like, yeah. I have to, you know, I have to, it's, it's this weird, and you're, and for me, I was always like, I think my entire 20s, I was thinking, well, I don't really have to, have to commit to anything here, because I'll be going on tour again in six weeks, right? So, um, that was, I think, very dangerous for me, and very kind of unhelpful. So, so yeah, recognizing that it was here all along, you know, uh, is, is um, I'm I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, and I think too something that I that I think is valuable to people who have come up in the subculture that we have. Once you interact with people who you know, frankly, have no clue or just don't care yeah. about you know whatever punk hardcore whatever you want to call it, <laughs> but they see the uh, I guess the you know uh, immovable um, passion that we have towards it, they you know, become a little interested in like, Oh, like it's not like they'll ever like the music per se, but they'll, you know, understand that sort of like DIY notion of like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, why did you start a band? Uh, just because I did, I picked up the bass and that's what I did. And you're just like, Oh, I guess yeah. you can do that. And you can start to give people that notion that they can pick up and do whatever it is that they want without asking permission. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a, and it's a beautiful thing that, you know, sometimes people like, you know, not everybody has the, you know, the lucky experience that we have of, you know, tripping across, you know, records and all of a sudden being immersed in this world that is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're hanging out with adults yeah. and it's like, what? This is why are you you're 16 years old. Why are you hanging out with a 24-year-old? It's like, well, they're just the same <laughs> they're at the same show. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. Um two last things I want to hit on before I let you go. Um mm. was the uh, you know, the fact that um you, uh, you know, you, you were able to kind of, you know, confront your, you know, your shortcomings as far as your mental illness was concerned and the fact that you wanted to, you know, get help and disconnect from the fact like, Hey, I can't be touring, you know, 250 days out of the year. And I can't, uh, I can't exist in this, this, this rat race that sometimes people feel like they, they get on. Um, once you kind of, I guess, shifted your focus away from that, um, you know, did you, uh, did you feel that sense of people being like, oh, great, like, now we're not going to get more music from this guy. And, like, you know, that feeling of kind of, I, I don't, I don't want to say, like, arrogance in a way, but just, like, oh, dude, like, come on, you've got, you're, you're living the dream, bro. Like, why can't you get your shit together or whatever? Um, you know, did you, did you kind of, um, I mean, not, like, see that per se, because no yeah. one, I, I guess, is going to come up to you and say that, but, no. you know. Well, and, uh, my output has always been so slow. Like, you know, I've only written, like, less than a hundred songs or no probably a little more but like you know i've been writing since i'm 16 and i'm 45 now i write like three songs a year and and that's like a good year so i've never felt like i've always felt like people who like my music kind of understand that and accept that um that it's you know it's not it's not the center of my life I don't think it should be like I feel like it's the product it's the product of the life I live instead of the other way around so I feel like yeah I've never really felt like that that overwhelming pressure um like you probably know the feeling like it's like 
every time I write a song, I think, oh, I'll never be able to do that again. Or like, <laughs> right. every time I think, every time I think I'm going to, like, I think about writing a song, I'm like, I, I don't even know how that, how you do that. Like, like I have, um, I have, uh, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and I have songwriting for dummies on the bottom shelf of one of my, that I actually went out and bought one time. I was like, you know, like, how, how do you do this? So, you know, I feel like, yeah, that's never been, never been, um, I've never felt a lot of pressure in that way. That's good. That's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I just, I love that visual of you going into a, you know, a bookstore and being like, Hey, hey, hey guys, I've written like 150 songs, but I just ran into a wall. I can't, I can't write anymore. Do you got a book for that? Yeah. Here, try this out. John. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of helpful. Actually. It's not a bad book. I've, right. re- I've read, I've read a couple of them and they're kind of like, there's some good ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, like some of my favorite things I've done as, as work has been to run, uh, songwriting workshops where you're like where you hear what other people do and you and you kind of craft songs in a again in a circle I think that it's really powerful um, to like share share your work with others and and in that delicate kind of frightening process of making something being open to that experiences has been really helpful for me too yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I I just love the the uh, repeated pattern of like you know doing things in a circle because yeah, it's like when you yeah. it's so true. Like you boil it down to simplest of terms, and it's like people getting in a circle talking about stuff like that is sometimes some of the coolest things that can happen to you in your life, where you're unlocking some you know part of your brain because someone said something in a circle. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I do feel like that. Um, true. And so the uh, I, I said two last things, but I'm going to squeeze one more in here. I apologize, but <laughs> the um, you know since you've ostensibly you know been able to you know make a living as a uh, you know a musician and artist, um, is is that like something you actually write on your customs form as you're traveling, where it's like you <laughs> you write a musician? Yeah, I guess I do for my visa into the United States because that's what it's based on. Oh, that's true. Um, that's true. <laughs> But uh, otherwise, yeah, I guess that is. You know what? I'm finally, I finally feel kind of comfortable with that. that right. I, I can. I would always write something else, like you know, until like the last five years, where I'm like, I, I put musician or I put writer, and and I'm like, oh wow, that's kind of kind of is what I am. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, You've grown comfortable. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm sort of more comfortable with that now. I'm owning owning that now. Yeah, Good. which um, yeah. you know, because m- most pe- especially just because as we were discussing earlier, you know, your uh, you know business acumen is not something that you are uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> is not something you are you are you are proud of. Um, no, it's very poor. Yeah, but, but the um, you know the fact that you've been able to to do it is um, you know hmm. pretty cool because obviously most people like especially again in the subculture we exist in everyone like looks at you know fugazi as the like untouchable it's like oh dude if every bank could be like fugazi and charge five dollars at the door yeah. and not sell merch and it's like yeah um right right you know ideally that would be rad but not everybody can i uh, know yeah it's true right <laughs> yeah um yeah i know and it's a total fluke but like you know when people ask me advice on industry stuff it's like i i have no idea like i have no idea how like the the series of events that led me to here are are you know pretty much 
based on chance. So it's kind of—I can't really tell anyone how how to do it. So yeah, it's it's because uh, I know I know so many amazing songwriters and musicians who can't make a living. You know, like some of my all-time favorites cannot make a living just doing music. So. Uh, you know that has to do with the injustices of capitalism. So it's like it's a much bigger thing than than trying to navigate through the music industry. So um, yeah, it's a it's a weird uh, it's a weird world. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> there's the yeah, there's there's really no um, yeah, there's 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 no blueprint that people can look at. Like no matter what road no. you've taken, it's like no, you're like I could. I could tell you the 400 mistakes I did that could lead me to here, but that's the, right, best, exactly. I could, that's the best I could do. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that idea of like, I feel like real, I feel real solidarity with, with other musicians. And, and I like that now. Like, I feel like, yeah, that we're workers, right. And, and that we have to think of ourselves as workers and, and, um, look out for each other as workers. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, mm. This is a uh, you know I think that sometimes that's that's not a thing in the cult like yeah like you're right you know artists are this kind of separate thing who do this mysterious work and that's not so like we're it's 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 labor and it should be respected as labor so yeah yeah oh for sure I mean it's it it's it's a craft in the same way that you know like uh you know hammering a steel anvil i mean hammering a steel anvil takes you know arguably more skill than writing a song but you know writing a song is also pretty difficult too well yeah and i don't want to compare my no my my work to to uh someone who actually actually works hard (laughs) yeah who does does the thing useful and not just writing crap crappy crappy acoustic songs out there (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, the the last thing is that you know you because you've existed in a you know very you know left wing socialist political world and that's been your political beliefs ever since you have been able to express that in all the bands that you've played in. Um, but you know by nature you being a more you know quiet and reserved person, um, there you know a lot of times people see those political beliefs and are just like. Oh yeah, like this dude is going to be in my face about all this stuff, and is like going to you know yell at me and everything like that. Um, you know, but clearly, like I, I don't, I don't see you, uh, I guess, kind of doing that. So, like, I'm sure there's been many times, or many not many times, but there's been times you've been confronted about your beliefs because of people, you know, reading one thing or seeing one thing and being like, oh, well, I like your music, but I, you know, I hate you as a person because of what you believe or yeah. whatever. You know, how have you kind of navigated that, you know, people throwing stones at you from that, uh, I guess, the political perspective? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been... Yeah, it's interesting sometimes, like, um, uh, I do get some of that, like, people, people write me kind of angry, angry, um, letters, or they, they come up to me after a show and, and, and tell me that they don't, you know, agree with something I said on stage, which is not that common, I don't talk much on stage, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's, um, I do feel like one of the great, one of the things I really like about the time we live in right now, there's not many things, but 
uh, one of the good things I think is that um, people's politics are, are have been forced to the surface. I think of 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 their lives, um, where there, there's no um, there's no getting away from it. Um, so, uh, and I feel like it's now sort of a really accepted thing that an artist um, who who kind of doesn't make overtly political art will still be political, will still have a politics, right? So I feel really kind of comfortable in that, in that, um, you know, being a writer who's, who's um, not always overt about, about my, um, about my beliefs, but, but um, I do, again, I feel like there's a template there that, that, that is sort of traced onto everything that I write, that the politics are there somewhere, but sometimes they're, they're sort of tucked away. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like nowadays that's, um, that's kind of common and, and, um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. Cause I, I think it's, uh, especially when you're talking about stylistically, uh, the music that you've, you know, created for a while, like people don't automatically assume that there's going to be a political undertone in you know the 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 quiet you know acoustic indie rock or whatever it's like most people you know view that as like oh yeah you're going to be an aggressive rock band so of course you're going to say something negative about you know capitalism or politics (laughs) or whatever um right and so yeah and it's also just about like you know what people are able to write like i'm just not able to write as directly as maybe i'd like sometimes um, you know, that's, that's not, yeah, it, it, it requires a, you know, it requires a tapestry. It requires like all different kinds of, of art yeah. to move and change the world, you know? Yeah. And, and approaches too. It's like, you know, there are, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're looking at weapons, like of course there's a blunt hammer and then there's a sniper rifle yeah. and you know, all the things that, right, right. that people unfortunately use against one another. Exactly. Poor, poor, poor metaphor for this conversation, but no, no. <laughs> um, the uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the you know the fact that uh, you know you you've clearly uh, a lot of people you know really attach themselves to uh, your lyrics and the way that you uh, you know describe uh, you know the scenarios that you lay out in the songs and everything like that and you know like you mentioned before you you know fancy yourself a writer and you've <laughs> you've crafted your uh your, your your art towards that as well um and i i know people have been like oh so like when are you going to put out a book like when are you going to do you know uh, a collection of short stories and that sort of stuff um i presume that right. your your response is still just like that i don't have the attention span for that or i don't have the um, no i don't yeah no i love books like that's what i've always wanted to be as a as a book writer um but i do not I am not able to do that. I recognize now I'm 45. It's, it's, I, I can write like 500 words and that's, you know, 500 to a thousand words is like anything more than that. I just, and I'm fine with that. Like I found, I found a form that, um, that I can work with. Uh, I think songwriting is super democratic and, and, um, available and, and, uh, and, and I love it. So I know I feel like um, songwriting is sort of where all of that goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah. but also, I, you know, I, I'm, I I would challenge you, John, because I think that mm. uh, you um, you know you are are very uh, you know self uh, well I wouldn't say self well I was going to say self defecating, but that's not even a word. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you you tend to uh, you know maybe sell yourself a little bit uh, short in certain respects of your life. So you know, mm. I think you you might be able to you know pull something together, whether it's uh, you know just some some musings, uh, some some things that you could probably be like musings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a little little uh, little zine. You know, you could probably do something like that. Well, I mean, zine culture is like where I like you know yeah that was the kind of that's another thing that I really loved about the punk scene was was kind of zines. I loved that. That was and and I still do. Like I still make little little pamphlets for you know for my friends and family. I uh, make them on my printer here and and in my community and it's it's fun. Yeah, no, I I totally see that. But I, I feel like the uh, I think what I present to the world is. His songs, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah. You're like you're like I know uh, I know my vehicle, and I'm going to stay in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, John, I really, honestly appreciate you hanging out with me because I know this is, uh, like I said, not something you uh, you, you typically do. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Oh, I super enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your persistence and uh, and your uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly your excellent uh, excellent conversation. Yeah. Yes, that was Mr. Samson. Thank you very much. It was funny because at the very, like before we started recording, I could tell he was kind of uh, nervous, you know, and like, cause he just doesn't do this sort of stuff often. Like I don't, I didn't ask him, but I don't get the impression that he's done like a ton of podcasts, partially too, because I was doing a ton of deep dive research on him and there isn't a ton of stuff around about him from that perspective. So anyways, an eternal, eternal thank you for John for coming on this show and uh, trusting me with, uh, you know, making sure that <laughs> we had a, a enjoyable conversation. So thank you very much for that. An eternal thank you to Wiretap Records as well. Use their code 100 words for $15 off whatever they got in their store. So wiretaprecords.com, please check it out. And also rockabilia.com. That is PC Jabberjaw for 10% off of your order. Please do that and you will be clothed in band merch. And what do we have next week in a, in, in my favorite way to transition from a, uh, you know, sort of folk singer songwriter, uh, you know, r- indie rockish guy. How about we talk to Manny Mustafi or money Mustafi? I think that's, that's how you actually say it, uh, from race trader. How about that? Right. Weaker than's race trader, race trader. Love it. Love the transition between the two. Anyways, that's what we got next week. I love you. I hope you were doing okay. It will get better. I promise you. Okay. Until then, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 